Welcome to the Title Run Podcast. This is your host, Dave Bethay, coming to you today to celebrate the 2021 world champion, man, that feels good to say, Atlanta Braves. If you're new to the show, please subscribe on any major podcasting platform. Follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us, titlerunsports at gmail.com. So we're coming to you from the Battery Studios to talk to you about the Atlanta Braves 2021 offseason and why this team could be even better heading into 2022. So right off the bat, there's a lot of work to be done for the Braves as we bask in the glow of their World Series win, a win that I did predict. I had the Braves in six, which I did not state on air because I do not like jinxing things, but I had the Braves in six, and I told you on the last podcast that you should feel very, very good about the Braves' chances of beating the Astros considering the depth of our lineup their lack of starting pitching, and how well our bullpen was pitching. I was right. And I'm telling you this right now. The Braves have a chance to have an absolutely loaded roster going into 2022, and I can only hope and pray that I'm right again. So, looking at our 2022 free agents, a few big names on this list. Ari Adrianza, who was a really good bench bat, actually ended up being very quietly one of the best pinch hitters in baseball, Led baseball in pinch hits for most of the season, which people don't realize because he doesn't mash some runs. Very, very good bench back and play a lot of different positions. Jesse Chavez, who's one of our really good middle relievers. Chris Martin. Eddie Rosario, obviously the NLCS MVP. Drew Smiley, the World Series MVP, Jorge Soler. And then obviously the elephant in the room, one of the best Braves in the history of the franchise, Freddie Freeman. So, Coming into that, there are probably three or four guys that you'd really like to see back in a Braves uniform. We'll circle back around to them. There's also a few Braves that have options for 2022. Josh Tomlin, who had a $1.25 million club option, has already been declined. No shocker there. He was awful for us this past year. I know he is a Brian Snicker favorite, but objectively he was terrible. Jock Peterson, who was a big contribution as a platoon outfielder, and was huge for us in the NLDS against the Brewers. And then Adam Duvall. And Duvall has a $7 million mutual team option. Peterson has a $10 million mutual team option. The Braves will be declining both those, as Peterson as a platoon outfielder is not worth $10 million. Duvall is going to decline his option if he has not already at the time of this recording because he can get way more than $7 million as a guy that just won his first gold glove and led the major league's excuse me, led the National League in RBIs and hit 38 bombs. So, yeah, Duvall's going to be more expensive coming into next season. The Braves also have 14 players who are eligible for salary arbitration. And I'm just going to go through a list of a lot of names. You're going to roll your eyes, but I just want to get through this information before we talk about the real meat of the podcast, which is what the Braves could look like next year. So bear with me here. 14 Braves eligible for salary arbitration. Orlando Arcia, Johan Camargo, Grant Dayton was, but the Braves have already released him. Adam Duvall, whose salary arbitration number comes in at $9.1 million, which seems pretty reasonable for him considering what he did. Max Freed, Guillermo Heredia, Luke Jackson, Tyler Matzik, A.J. Minter, Sean Newcomb, Austin Riley, 
Richard Rodriguez, Mike Soroka, and Dansby Swanson. And Dansby's number is the biggest on here, coming in at 10.1 million. Is the and these are projections from MLB Trade Rumors, which is one of the sites that's really good on the behind the scenes stuff. So that's a lot. The big names there are obviously Swanson, Riley, Freed, Matic, Luke Jackson, and Mike Soroka, all of who are contributors that you would expect to be huge parts of the 2022 roster. So all that technical mumbo jumbo is out of the way. Here's what I want to get to. What are the Braves going to do in the outfield? Assuming Ronald Acuna Jr. is healthy for opening day, which is a big assumption, you know that he's your day one right fielder or possibly center fielder. What about the rest? Who do you want the Braves to bring back? Heredio's fine as a you know fifth, sixth outfielder, late inning defensive replacement. But what about the rest of the roster? Do you bring back Solaire? Do you bring back Rosario? Can they duplicate what they gave you in the second half of the season in the postseason? Do you bring back Peterson's platoon? Do you bring back Adam Duvall, knowing that he's going to be a bit pricey? But he's definitely worth the money, and he's he is getting up there in age. He's 32 right now. Um, do you count on Pache coming up? Do you kick the tires on Drew Waters as a young guy in the outfield? And the question really is just, what do you do? Oh, and by the way, there's a guy who finished um, just short of a triple crown in 2020 who's currently out uh, with legal issues named Marcelo Zuna. He's still on your roster. What do you do with him? And so there's just a lot of questions surrounding the Braves. I don't know all the answers. Personally, if it's up to me, you have to, have to bring back Adam Duvall. That's the one that's like, you pay him whatever he wants. He's got to be back as your everyday left fielder, center fielder, right fielder. I don't know, but he has to be back in your outfield. Good defender, great stick. Yes, he's going to hit 235, but the amount of production he gives you as far as driving and runs and power, you can live with that. Also, I would love to see the Braves bring back Jorge Soler. In part because there is a very, very good chance that the DH is added to the National League next year. And Solaire, who did improve in the outfield once he came over to the Braves, could be your everyday left fielder, or at worst, he could be your DH. Now, if the Braves decide to bring up Marcelo Zuna, you stick Solaire in left, Acuna and Duvall in center, which isn't ideal. I prefer Acuna in right. Duvall, to me, isn't a great fit as a center fielder, but he can do it. But you have those two in center and right, and then you put Marcelo Zuna as your DH. And then you have another defensive outfielder like a Guillermo Heredia or maybe even a Christian Pache that can come in to help play defense late innings or possibly even platoon with Soler in left field, preferably a left-handed bat like Eddie Rosario. So I know I just basically said I want the Braves to bring back all of these outfielders, which isn't realistic. But the idea for me is that I think Soler is a great fit if he can DH. If not, it's a little bit less of a slam dunk for me. I think that Duvall is a must-have, and you have to have another bat that's preferably left-handed in the outfield, someone like a Rosario, and at least one defensive outfielder to come in for ladings, either a Pache or Heredia. That would be how I would structure it. And if you do have the DH, I would also keep Marcelo Zuna as a bench bat that can pinch hit and DH as well. So that's where I'm at with the Braves outfielder. Do you realize the amount of thunder you're putting out there? That is a lot of big sticks that we just said. You're talking about 
We just named four or five guys that have had 30 home run seasons. Duvall's had a 30 home run season. Acuna had a 40 home run season the last year. He was healthy and was going to, was going to hit 40 again this year. Solaire had 48 home runs a few years ago. Rosario had 36 a couple of years ago. Yo, that, that is a lot of thunder. And, of course, Ozuna has had huge home run years his last few years with the Cardinals and the Marlins. So that is so much thunder in your outfield. And I just would like to see the Braves bring back as much of that as possible and kind of just – I hate to say this, but figure out the defense later. I mean, that, that's what I think is ideal. And when you go from the outfield and realize that the Braves do have a lot of options in the outfield, I think that the next important thing is to – so the Braves have a lot of options in the outfield, and I think that they are more or less also set when it comes to the rotation. Listen to the Braves already have set in stone for the rotation in 2022. Charlie Morton, Max Fried, Ian Anderson – Oscar Noah, plus possibly a returning Mike Soroka. And if he doesn't return, you still have options with young pitchers Kyle Wright, Dylan Lee, and Tucker Davidson. If you ask me, the Braves' rotation is already set. Because with those seven I just mentioned, plus possibly Soroka coming back, you have the emergency depth with the young guys, you have three absolute studs at the top of it in Morton, Freed, and Anderson, guys that have been really good in the playoffs. Enoa, who was a really good regular season pitcher last year. And Soroka, who, if healthy, might be the ace of your staff. I don't think people realize that the Braves starting pitching could be better again next year, even better than it was this year, which is insane. And then you go into the bullpen. Will Smith, A.J. Minter, Tyler Matzik and Luke Jackson are all locked up, meaning that the back end of your bullpen is set for next year. Now, what you have to do is go find some additional right-handed depth and some middle and some middle relief. And so, just so you know, there are a couple of good options out there. Um, Rysel Iglesias from the Angels is one of the best relievers on the market. He's going to be a little bit more expensive. Uh, he could possibly even close, but he'd be a great addition. He's not a middle reliever, really. He's a late-inning guy. But to me, if you can get more high-leverage guys – and you mix and match them based on matchups and scenarios in the game, to me that's ideal. Kenley Jansen, I know he's not what he was in 2017 or 2018, still a really good reliever, love to add him to that mix. Colin McHugh from the Rays is another option, as is Kendall Graveman from the Astros, just a few names that they're out. And again, these aren't pitchers that you've probably seen a lot or heard a lot about, but pretty much universally considered on every offseason free agent list, to be four or five of the best relievers out there. And again, they're right-handed options. That also means that you're probably saying goodbye to a few right-handed relievers like Chris Martin, who was very mediocre this year. He's also age 36. Tomlin, who we've already discussed, was just horrible. And Jesse Chavez is an interesting one because he is somehow 38 years old and was just really good for the Braves' middle relief. So he might want to be one that you take a flyer on and bring back just because you already know what he is. He is up there in age. He was very effective last year and very, very reliable, even in the playoffs. So here's where we get to the elephant in the room. Freddie Freeman. So when you look at all of the websites that cover this stuff, fan graphs, MLB trade rumors, Freddie Freeman's about to get the bag. Just in case you didn't know that, he is about to get broke off. And it looks like the starting point for Freddie is going to be six years and $150 million. <laughs> And the other thing is that you have other premier franchises like the Yankees 
and Dodgers that could be looking for first baseman. The Yankees are definitely looking for a first baseman. The Angels, who are another high payroll, big market team, they're looking for a first baseman. And one of the things that happens every offseason is that sites like The Athletic and MLB Trade Rumors and Fangraphs rank their top free agents of the offseason, the top 50. And Freddie Freeman is on the top five of all those lists. So 6 and 150, it's not the money there. It's the length because, you know, you'd have Freddie finish, finish that contract at age 38, which you would assume he'd be in decline. But the 6 and 150 is likely going to be the starting point for Freddie. A decent comp is kind of like what Paul Goldschmidt got from the Cardinals a couple of years ago. Five years and $130 million. But truthfully, Freddie is a lot better player than Paul Goldschmidt, a lot more accomplished. 2020 MVP, 2021 World Series champ, gold glove winner. I mean, that's a starting point. He's he going to get paid more than that. And MLB trade rumors had a projected salary for him of six and 180. <laughs> and the projected salary from Fangraphs is five for 135. So again, I'll repeat what I said earlier is that the issue for me isn't really the money, it's the years. And you just hard, it's hard to see an age 38 Freddie Freeman being worth MVP caliber money. We've seen what happens with those big contracts, guys like Albert Pujols most recently. But, but you see a guy like Joey Votto, a guy that's just a professional hitter that at age 38 had a, like a low-level MVP type season this year for the Reds, and you're like, guys that are as good as Freddie Freeman and, and even late career Chipper Jones, they just seem to figure it out. And what you'd love to see is maybe Freddie loses some of those some of that power that he has now, and he may only be an 18 home run guy, but he can still hit 290 and play good defense. And if he can do that at age 37 and 38 and still be a contributor, and still be a contributor for a playoff team, you'll take it. Realize that in part you're paying him for the last two or three years where he's probably been underpaid, and paying him for the next three or four years at the end of his prime. So again, as long as Freddie doesn't just fall off the map like Ryan Howard at the end of his career, you're really going to be okay with the amount of money you're paying him. Now, having said that, it helps that the large payroll teams are going to have their eyes on other big free agents. This is a loaded free agent class. So you got guys like Carlos Correa at age 27 hitting free agency, Corey Seager, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and and Marcus Simeon. These are like big-name MVP winners, MVP candidate-type players, and they're all hitting the market also. And so in some ways, that's good for the Braves because it could mean that some of these teams that could get in a bidding war at the Braves, some of these big market teams that could drive his price up could be out of the mix because they're going for these other big-ticket items. On the other hand, it could make Freddie's price tag higher because he's going to want to get paid like these guys because he's an MVP and a world champion. So... One of the other things that is helpful is that the Braves were second in all baseball in attendance in 2021, largely because they opened back up more quickly than a lot of other places. And and so the revenue from the battery this year was just insane. If you watched any of the away games on TV, you saw the battery was full. So all of that contributes to the Braves having enough capital to raise the ceiling on their payroll. And Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves GM, has come out and actually said this. Straight up, he said, we will be increasing payroll, and our number one priority is re-signing Freddie Freeman. So let's hope, 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 hope that both of these are true. Because the fact that we won a World Series essentially on the cheap with Liberty Media as our owners 
is unbelievable because a lot of Braves fans complained about how they don't want to spend money, and they gave Alex Anthopoulos the, the leeway to go out and shop from kind of the bargain bin to build a new outfield for this team that ended up being a championship outfield. And you look at it, I think that with the three, the four outfielders we added, added a total of like $4 million, excuse me, I think it was a total of $10 million in payroll, which is absurd that for $10 million you went and got a championship outfield, which is, that's just absurd. Um, but that's testament to Alex Anthopoulos. So if they're telling them, if they're telling Alex Anthopoulos that they're going to lose the purse strings, I can't wait to see what he's able to do moving forward for 2022. So let me give you the worst case scenario. In the worst case scenario for the Braves offseason, Freddie Bolts, Deval Bolts, you don't get the DH in the National League, and Acuna and Soroka take a long time to return, meaning you don't start the regular season at full strength in the outfield or in the rotation. All those things are possible. Likely, no. You have Chipper Jones coming out and saying that he thinks the chances of Freddie leaving are 10 to 20%. Um, the Braves have clearly stated they want to bring him back, and that's obviously the biggest piece. As Freddie is the face of the franchise. He may not be your best player. Acuna is arguably your best player, but Freddie might be your most important player because, let's just be honest, you just won a world, you just won a world championship without Acuna. I don't know that Acuna is replaceable, but Freddie brings so much more in terms of his leadership and his presence and all those intangible things that are usually blown out of proportion. Freddie does embody a lot of that for this franchise, and you just can't replace that. Um, and if Freddie did leave, I don't know what you're doing. You're trying to go, I guess, win a bidding war for Chris Bryant. Maybe you move Austin Raleigh to first, play Chris Bryant at third. Maybe you play, play Chris Bryant at first. I don't know what you do, but you have just this huge hole, not only in your roster, but on your franchise. And I think that would be the biggest disaster scenario, no matter what else you do, if Freddie leaves. So, would be the best case scenario for the Braves for next year. So let's assume everybody's healthy and the NL adds a DH. Resign Duvall, Ozuna gets reinstated and added to your lineup. And so imagine a lineup that looks something like this. Ronald Acuna leading off, Freeman in the two-hole, Riley in the three-hole, your DH, whether that be Ozuna or Soler hitting fourth, Duvall hitting fifth, Albies hitting sixth, Swanson hitting seventh, Darno hitting eighth, and then your third outfielder, be that Rosario, Peterson, whoever is hitting, or even even Soler possibly, hitting in the nine hole. Can you imagine Jorge Soler hitting in front of Ronald Acuna in the nine spot? <laughs> Can you imagine, imagine Eddie Rosario hitting in front of Ronald Acuna in the nine hole? Like, you get to the end of the Braves lineup, and you're like, oh, shoot, if I make a pitch, Solaire might put this out on I-85. I just think there are just so many possibilities and also just so much lineup flexibility with what you could do if you can get these guys back. And that lineup I just mentioned is absolutely absurd. You'd have Travis Darnot, who won the Silver Slugger in 2020 as your eight hitter, and your seven hitter is a guy in Danzy Swanson that just hit, what was it, 25, 27 bombs this year and should have been a Gold Glove finalist. Um it's just absurd. Looking at the middle of that lineup, and you've just got stacked on top of each other. Acuna, 30 bombs. Freeman, 30 bombs. That's the top of the lineup. Riley, 30 bombs. Ozuna or Soler, probably going to be good for 30 bombs. Duvall, 30 bombs. Albies, 30 bombs. I mean, they're just stacked up. There's just nowhere to go to get an out. You're talking about the weak spot of your lineup is probably Travis Darno, who, again, like I said, was a silver slugger in 2020. It's just ridiculous. So, Here's the, here's the bow to put on all this. 
bring back Freddie, bring back at least three of these outfielders, at least two, you got to bring back Duvall, and it could be all systems go. You're talking about you may enter the season with a better roster than the Los Angeles Dodgers, who we all know, if healthy, this past year had the best roster in baseball. You might actually have a roster to rival theirs, which is absurd. And a year from now, we might be looking back and talking about the beginning of a Braves dynasty. Who knows? This has been Dave Bethay for the Tyrone Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.